This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Hello! Back and forth kind of morning with the Mariners playing great baseball and just three games back in the division of Texas, which is we coming. awesome. They, we coming. They sure are coming. And just a half game behind Houston. We'll come back to some Mariner conversation a lot in the 9 o'clock hour. And, yes, we'll talk to Cal Raleigh today at 930. Looking forward to doing that. But right now, Brock, it is time for some serious football conversation. All this hour, we'll give you our takeaways from the game coming up in 30. Right now, though, we are on two in our most intriguing Seahawks countdown. Number five. As I said, number five could very easily be number one. He is that intriguing. But the question is, what is he? And I'm talking about Jamal Adams. I don't know what he is. Who is Jamal Adams? Will he be healthy? What will he do when he finally is healthy? Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? If he rushes the quarterback and plays up near the line of scrimmage, can he stay healthy? If he plays on the back end, does he end up costing the team more than he helps them? What is Jamal Adams? He's the highest paid player on the defense. He's a guy they've invested a tremendous amount of assets in between the first round picks that they gave up and obviously the contract that they signed him to. They've had opportunities. It wouldn't have been ideal, but they could have moved on if they had wanted to this offseason. They decided not to. They decided to bring him back. And he's still not quite ready. I'm not holding him accountable for that. I mean, eventually he'll be healthy enough to go at some point, probably after being on PUP to start the year. But what is he when he returns? Because he's an unbelievably talented guy. And I'd like to think that he's that X factor that pushes them over the top. But I just haven't seen it in so long that it's sort of hard to remember. Yeah, I'm sure if we were to really think about it and other safeties around the league of the last 10 plus years, Salk, that we would find other teams with other safeties that guys get beat up. Bob Sanders probably at the top of the list right there with Cam Chancellor. And they played the game the same way, just totally, totally violent. (laughs) With, With collisions, they never turned down. There was never a business decision with Bob Sanders or Cam Chancellor. And I think the same can be said for Jamal. But with that comes what? What's the trade-off? Your body gets decimated. You can go see my buddy, uh, Dr. Nelson, but he's going to tell you, man, yeah, it's spinal, right? Uh, For Jamal, he's got fingers that have been fused. He's got labrums that have been repaired. He's now got a hip tendon or a a tendon in his quad that's been reattached, along with all the other bumps and bruises and injuries, you know, the massive collisions through the years. So who he is this year, I think I can say confidently, who he is this year is going to be a nickel linebacker that they want to get to the end of the race. Mm -hmm. They do not want what's happened the last two years, and that's a season cut totally short before the second half of a season or maybe even the second quarter of a season even begins. So they are going to protect him. They're going to guard his health. And I think they know with, you know, Cam Chancellor, remember how upset he got at me that one time? And others got upset at me with a fairly, I thought, harmless question of how much longer can you do this after he held out? He came back and he got his deal. And and I, you know, I guess maybe some thought that it was a loaded question that that I knew some of the medical behind the scenes that I did not. At that point, it was rather a harmless question, hoping he would say the next 10 years. 
but it was a whole lot less than that because the body just could not hold up. And much like a NFL running back, these kind of safeties have a life expectancy, and they're just trying to get the most out of this season in yeah. particular. Well, it's interesting, you know, that that element of it, and, and there's a lot of questions about how to use them best. We asked KJ Wright this last Wednesday. Ooh, hold on one sec. Here you go. We asked KJ Wright on Wednesday. This is what's going to happen. We're going to go nickel, nickel. Yeah. Bobby at linebacker. Yeah. Jamal. Yep. Get your butt at linebacker. And that's yep. when Jordan Brooks is not on the field. Well, Bush is not on the field. Yeah, there's going to be a few a few different niggas. We're going to have, like, let's say a second. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's going to be weird. Nickel. We're going to go big yes. nickel this we're year, We're going to go big nickel, where yeah. it's going to be Jordan and Bobby. Then we're going to go regular nickel, where it's Bobby and Jamal. It's going to be fun to watch. KJ even got himself all turned around in that answer, yeah. Brock, because I think. But but I don't blame KJ for that. I'm blaming the fact that they've got some guys and, and the ways to use them is still very much up in the air. Here, here's the question I have. Yeah, and unlike, unlike Marlowe and Kelnick and Canzone, there's no redundancy. Their skill sets are different. Right. But very they, different. But their positions are somewhat the same. So they're just giving you different looks out of out of some of the same positions. Mm-hmm. Here's the question I'll ultimately ask about Jamal, and this is not supposed to be a leading question either. Is he going to be more disruptive to the opposing offense or to their own defense? Oh, it'll be the opposing offense as long as he is put in that position that KJ just talked about, as long as he is near the line of scrimmage. I do remember Paul Moyer, uh, a guy that I very much trust as a former player in the league and, and a coach in the league, has covered the team for decades and, and you know, seen the game progress and change. And I remember when they made that move, and he said very clearly he's got the best run instincts that you're going to ever find out of a safety, that he plays the game like a running back. Right, and you watch him, in, and you watch his path to the football around. Well, heck, even when he comes out of the the back end as a safety, he's an amazing tackler. But his instincts and his feel are best around the line of scrimmage, and that's where the Jets used him. It's where the Seahawks used him in that COVID year with all of those sacks, an NFL record in sacks from a secondary player. And you're going to see him a whole lot closer to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm wreaking havoc on them and i don't think terribly disruptive i I mean how can it be it's been disrupted for three years salk you know it's not like you know they haven't done this dance the only reason it becomes disruptive is if guys are playing well you add him back into the situation and they don't play as well yeah because he you know people have to come off the field in order for him to make his way on there yeah and if they're playing really well then it's probably going to be well you can wait a little bit longer jamal (laughs) you can wait a little longer it's probably not going to be until a little bit of a need or a cold spell or making sure as i said that we can get you all the way to the end of the race through december and into january all right there you go that is our number five most intriguing seahawk jamal adams he's number five as i said he probably could have been number one there's enough conversation around him i'll just come back to what I said a year or two ago about Jamal. Let me love you. I just want to love Jamal. I like he is such the kind of player that I absolutely want to love. Yeah. He hits hard, he plays hard, he runs around, he talks trash, he comes up to the line of scrimmage, bury people from the safety position. There's so many things I love about his game, yeah. but I've just heard from too many of you ex guy ex football players that he is a bit of a liability on the back end in coverage. And so yeah. because of that. I, I don't know how to use him best if he's a if he's a liability in the back end, but his body can't always hold up to being up front. 
I don't know what you do with them, and I, I just I yeah. don't. That's a that's a huge question. I you think know they've who, got to answer. You know why I think you like him as you were saying that because he's got a lot of lawyer Malloy to him. He sure does. He's got a lot of great, love for the point. game. He's got a charisma. Now lawyer was a five tool baseball player that could chase down anything in the alley. So he could uh, in his prime and even late in his career he could still cover. He still knew how to take angles and play the ball. So if lawyer's listening, lawyer, you were you know a much better all around complete. But as far as uh, around the box, as far as playing this game, as far as just the juice, and I play for free. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that with Jamal that Lawyer had for sure. <laughs> Do you remember years ago when I confused Lawyer Malloy, maybe with Ty Law, forget who it was with, and thought that he was the one who had been arrested at the border? Do you remember that? And he found out, called, was like, what yeah. the hell? I was so embarrassed. One of many times I was embarrassed. All right. I apologize. I just yeah, confused who it fine. was. It wasn't like I was trying to, you know. One of the many know. times I've had to cover for him. All right. You know what? That was <laughs> devastating. Laura Malloy is like one of my all-time heroes. I lo- I can't tell you how much I love watching Laura Malloy play. Yep. And uh, that, was a, that was a tough moment. I felt yeah. really, really bad about it. That was a welcome to saying things on the air and having to be accountable for them kind of moment. For me, that was like 12, 13 years ago. Hey, man. All right. Coming up, Brock, we'll give a full set of takeaways from the game on Saturday night, including the one guy who's been getting all the love but sure didn't feel it on Saturday. We'll do that right after Need to Know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, this was not a case of just hoping not to get swept in Houston. Instead, quite the opposite. The Mariners were the ones doing the sweeping and how great it was. They take all three in a variety of ways, right? It was awesome seeing Bryce Miller dominate in his home state on Friday night. They just kept scoring Dylan Moore with a couple of home runs on Saturday. The benches even emptied in that game. And then yesterday, they got going early with the bats. 2-1 pitch on the way, swinging a well-hit ball down the right field line. It's going to be a fair ball in toward the corner. Teoscar running third being waved in. He'll score. Over to third goes Ford. And at second, Canzone with a two-out RBI double. The throw comes in from McCormick. And it's now the Mariners two. And the Astros nothing. Yeah, that was uh, fun early. They got six runs in the first three innings. But then Emerson Hancock had to leave the game with a shoulder injury. And the next thing you know, Sosato didn't have it. Poor guy. It's six to five. And Scott Service is managing for his life over the rest of the game. He did a heck of a job. Used Brash early in the fourth. Used Topa in the middle. Munoz in the eighth. Gabe Spire ended up closing it out. Made Scott happy anyway. All right, guys. Here are so many choices. But this became apparent at the end who we needed to talk to. Gabe Spire, first of all, congratulations. Your first. Closer, Gabe Spire. <laughs> And that's uh, Scott Service interrupting because he was so proud of his guy. Let's party! Oh, <laughs> uh, that series, just as you read that out, man, has there been a weekend series quite like that one? They had a little I mean, of everything, man. That's for holy, sure. I mean, Especially what, what, coming off the Kansas City series. Correct, weird which was stuff wild there. and erratic itself. 0 for 17 with runners in scoring position Friday night. 0 for 17 with Mariners. Doesn't matter. How's that right. possible? I, I, you possibly go 0 for 17 I, runners in scoring position. And you went in Houston with the Crawford boxes, and you still beat them. And you did that, and Bryce was a big part of that. Obviously, you'll get to Julio here in a second and need to know. But a bench is, the bench is clear as well, the emotion of it. Yeah, I, I think, quite honestly, as we've talked about this, this is the bully getting punched back. This is Houston that has been in total control. And last year started to feel like, ooh, these guys are coming. 
Yep, and even their players said afterwards, winning the World mm-hmm. Series, the most difficult series of them all, was that series versus Seattle. Well, 8-2 and two now, the Mariners against these Astros, taken six of the last seven down Pretty in Houston. Pretty darn cool. And with that sweep, they are just three games back at Texas. By the way, the Rangers have lost four straight and have not played very good baseball recently. They're only half a game behind Houston, a half game up on Toronto, and they'll head to Chicago now for three on the south side. Here's the second thing you need to know. Yeah, it was mostly good, some bad, but a f- most importantly, no injuries uh, of any real consequence on Saturday night for the Seahawks, who got the job done at home against Dallas in preseason game number two. One turnover on the day, and it was a beauty. Second down 11, blitz is coming. They miss Greer, who gets the throw. It's picked off at the goal line. Coming back near side, turns upfield 10, 15, 20, knocked out of bounds on the 20-yard line. Thank you. Trey Brown makes the play for the defense. The Cowboys moving right down the field, but they can't score, and Trey Brown saves the defense's bacon. That was nice because the two guys have been getting all the publicity, Trey Brown and Mike Jackson. Mike Jack did not have a great day. It was nice to see Trey Brown bounce back with Addy at a nice return later as well. Good for him, and it was great to see that just how excited everybody was on yep. the sideline. Yeah, that's his first pick since the Big 12 championship game many years ago. So the dude works his absolute butt off. He's come back from injury. And you heard that in Rebels' call. They're, they bring the blitz. They brought the pressure. They bring the, the blitz. They brought the pressure. I mean, they are, if these first two preseason games are an indicator, this is not going to be a sit back and rest in our laurels and bend but don't break. This is going to be a whole lot more of an attack mode. It's what your defensive line is with Jaron and Trey is built to do. It's what these young pass rushers are built to do. Now you just need to be able to shore it up in that man-to-man coverage and hopefully make a play or two on the ball a little better than Mike Jack did on Looked Saturday. pretty good offensively as well. Gino moved the ball very well during his couple of series, and then Drew Locke had a heck of a day as well. Uh, a beauty, 58 yards to Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was pretty impressed with the rook. He's been amazing. Uh, I think the biggest part about him is just his composure. I think not once have I felt like he was a rookie when he's out there. He's confident in himself. He knows what he's doing. And when the ball's in the air, he's going to make a play on it and go get it and you know, turn something into nothing when he gets the ball in his hands. I think that's, that's hard to do. It's hard to do in this league, and especially as a rookie coming in. And, you know, with him missing some time in the years previous, uh, for him to come in and step in and make the plays that he's uh, making right now. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it sure was. So uh, nice job by him. Nice job by Charbonnet as well, who also had a heck of a an outing. It was a it was a nice game for the Seahawks. They'll play one more preseason game Saturday morning in Green Bay. Here's the third thing you need to know. It's ready, and the right-handers two-one pitch swing and a line drive over the head of Altuve at second into right center field for another base hit. Julio Rodriguez nine hits in his last nine at bats ties a Mariner club record. Yeah, you know, we mentioned last year, Brock, that you can tell how good Julio is by the way people who've been around the game their entire life laugh at him in a good way. Like, I I don't even know what I'm seeing right now. And the nine hits in a row, the 17 hits in four games with five stolen bases, both unbelievable accomplishments from a guy who, when he's going like that, is as superstar-y as superstars get. I I will admit to being a little annoyed at what Nick Swisher said before the game yesterday. You could take it either way. He said, essentially, can you imagine how much bigger of a star Julio would be if he played in an East Coast city? Mm. And you could take that as, hey, East Coast bias is terrible. And so, uh, yeah, Julio doesn't get his due. I didn't. 
I took it as it's too bad this guy doesn't play in an East Coast city so that more people would know who he was. And I just thought it was obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. What's that old line? You're not wrong. You're not, yeah, from, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. That, that must be a, a jerk. Yeah. 17 hits in four games. Let's not just blow by that. That has never been done in baseball. 17 hits in four games. never been games. done, by the way? That's crazy that it's never happened. Well, you, you got to get a lot of at-bats, number one. True. So, you, you know, you got to be near the top of the order, which he is, and get five at-bats a game. And, and to do, by the way, and to do that against Houston, too. That's not just Kansas City or Oakland, right? I mean, he's got to finish that off and do it when it matters the most against the – the Goliath has been in your division, so 17 hits in four days, man. It is just hard to it's hard to wrap your brain around. But Julio did it and showed, I think, everybody why his star, when it's on, shines as bright as anybody in all of baseball. Honestly, I knew whenever they put it on the scoreboard that I set some record for, like, four games span or whatever. But before that, I didn't know. Yeah, you didn't even have any idea. He's just out there playing the game, smiling. See ball, hit ball. Doing his thing. J.P. Crawford returns from the concussion IL tonight in Chicago. That's good news. Unfortunately, Emerson Hancock removed yesterday, as we said, with a shoulder or lat strain. You're going to be extra careful with him. So he goes to the IL. Brian Wu is set to return this week. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every yeah. hour here it's on the Brock and Soap Show. Yeah, right? Wow. Yeah, it's a busy weekend. Moro oh, took us on. around the weekend. We could have done it for like two hours instead of 25 minutes. It was, yes. yeah, it was out of breath. <laughs> out of breath. Are we going to be a- able to say what we're doing tomorrow now? Can we put that on the record? Or uh, Talking to Gino? Yeah. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be pretty good. Gino Smith going to join us at 7.30. First time? Have we ever talked to him? I've never spoken to Gino. I don't think I have either. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're going to be there in person to talk to him together, and uh, we'll talk to Gino tomorrow morning at 730. That will be interesting. We'll we'll see where that one goes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jeff Passan will join us at 830. I'm working on a special guest for 930. We'll see if that works out. So uh, certainly a lot going on here on the Brock and Salk Show. Cal Raleigh will join us today, an hour from now, as we get back to some baseball in the 9 o'clock hour after a full set of takeaways from yesterday or from Saturday night. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Brock and Salk, and uh, we'll come back, talk some Mariners at 9 o'clock with Cal Raleigh, the big dumper scheduled to join us at 9.30 this morning. But we also had a uh, Seahawks preseason game on Saturday night amidst the sweep, Brock, which is so I'm so glad the Mariners played early. So I get to watch the Mariner game, then the Seahawks game, none of the channel flipping that can happen this time of year. And so that gives us time for a full slate of takeaways. <laughs> Takeaways. You played that highlight. Can I hear it one more time? Of Drew Locke to Jackson Smith in Jigba. Obviously, some cool offensive highlight plays. Plenty defensively as well. But this was uh, this was the rook putting on a little show. Second down and three at the forty-nine. Play fake. Locke stops. Hits his back foot. He's going to throw. He's got Smith and Jigba down to the fifteen, ten, five, and down to the two to the one line before he's tripped up he was so tightly covered you had to have a perfect pass and great hands to make it happen and they did drew lock to the rookie jackson smith and jigba for 48 yards down to the one 
Yeah, and I would say this, Mr. Rabel, having played that position and seen that route run and had to make the decision there as a quarterback, do I pull the trigger or not? Because it's a deep over, once again, off a play-action pass that Drew does very, very well. And you come back and you know you have green grass. Right, that, that, that's the beauty of that play. That action, you come back in the pocket, you can see where he's running. But that defender was right in his hip pocket. It wasn't as if he was trailing. He was almost in front of him. And you got to make that decision, do I trust this guy right here? Like that is a moment of truth, split decision that went through Drew's mind like, yes, I do. And I'm going to give him a chance to, to make a play on this ball. And, and much like his big brother, who's a, a major league baseball player and tracks baseballs, Jackson was tracking right with Drew, and and he tracked that that ball was going to be a little bit flat and that he could just pluck it without looking at it. That's another thing. That's a Brian Hartline, the receiver coach at Ohio State, why these guys are so good coming into the league, Salk. He didn't give a big tell. You didn't see Jackson like put his hands up and stare back at the football. If he did, that guy gets his hands on it. He taps it away. Who knows? Maybe even turns around and interception, intercepts it, but he didn't. There was no tell. It went until the last second that he, like Tyler Lockett, put his hands up in the mm-hmm. air, plucked it, and took it all the way to the one-yard line. Yeah, he was unbelievable. It just has been all camp and through both the preseason games, just seemingly, again, always open, makes every catch. It's just fun. Here's a question I have, and maybe we could discuss this in more depth tomorrow, but if the Seahawks had just had their own pick this year, if they had only had number 20 and didn't have the pick from the Broncos at number five, you think they still would have taken Jackson Smith and Jigma? Ooh, that's a good question. I hope so. I mean, I'd like to think they were just. I mean, he was, no, he was number one receiver was on the board, right? So, I mean, if that was a need for them, they could. I mean, maybe Witherspoon was going to go six to Detroit. Right. So well, obviously, he wasn't going to be there at twenty. But the nope. question is, would they have moved up at some point and said they needed to get defensive help? Would they, I don't know how it all would have yeah, gone. I think question. it's an interesting, an it interesting is. question. But I, I really would like to think that they would have because I think he is going to be so freaking good based on what we've seen so far. And he was tremendous again on Saturday. Takeaways. Well, speaking of receivers, Brock, are we really going to have an ISL, an independent school league, T after every game receiver on the Seahawks? I don't see how we're not. Has there I- ever been another ISL in skill the NFL? position player in the NFL? Oh, I don't think so, no. I think there was a lineman who months made it a few years ago, but maybe I don't think he actually made it in the NFL. Okay. Probably not since like the 50s or 60s or something like that. Gino I mean, again, standing in his own end zone with a slot to his left. Looks like he might be changing the play at the line. Steps back. Here comes the blitz. Gino has time. Going to throw down the far side. Got a man open. Ball is caught. And there's Bobo. And it's Bobo again. Jake Bobo. The rookie free agent out of UCLA just seems to find the open areas and be available for his quarterback. Brock, in his two games of preseason action, some of which were played with the number one offense, all he's done is make an unbelievable special teams play, be in the vicinity of another great special teams play, catch a couple of balls, including an unbelievable double move against the number ones and with the number ones. Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like it's a question. There's going to be a Belmont Hill ISL receiver Mm. on this team. Yeah. Crazy. That was a pretty sick round. Tim Hasselbeck better never make fun of my league ever, ever again. You heard Rabel again in that call say change the play. I wonder if he did. Or I wonder if that was just a dummy action. 
Maura, remind me to ask Gino about that tomorrow, if you don't mind. Uh, I, hold on, I'm going to put the. I'm going to put in my Lewis Lit little dictator phone here. Hold on a second. Uh, ask Gino whether that was a change play or not. Okay, uh, because if it wasn't and that was just an act, that's a pretty cool act, and that's probably why that DB jumped it. Because DBs, they look for tells, right? So when a QB comes up to change a call down in that area of the field, you're thinking, quick game. He's going to get the ball out, throw that little slant route. And Bobo sold that slant route and then had the quickness to get right back up the field and knew he was going to get licked, right? You know when you – oh, it's – you know, in high school, you beat that corner like touchdown, house call. Well, he didn't even play high school, prep school. What is it, ISM? ISL. Yeah, yeah ISL. schooling. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's it a is a high school. That's a tutty. At Duke, that might have been a tutty. In the NFL, you've got a safety back there, <laughs> 30 yards deep, that's going to drill you, uh, which he did. But, yeah, Bobo continues to impress. Takeaways. calling all those ticky-tack penalties at the end of the first half. Weird, wasn't it? It took so long. Yeah, Kate Scott got that one right. She said it was like the end of an NBA game. Yeah. It was that but worse because it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I thought Anthony Bradford uh, was moving some people. I, I was I was kind of paying attention to him after Ray Roberts told us on Friday that he thinks he's closing that gap with Phil Haynes. But he did say there's still that aspect of some things he needs to learn, and Haynes is more of a veteran. So I feel like that battle could really come down to this next game. You know what? I watched him also yesterday, or on Saturday. I spent some time trying to watch the right guard position, which is not easy, but I did. I thought he played pretty well. I thought he had a couple of really nice plays, one in pass protection, one in run blocking. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I thought Phil Haynes also played really well. Like, I, it's not This wasn't an anti-Bradford take, but... I thought Haynes played really well at right guard also. He's 342 bones, as Pete told us. Phil Man. Haynes is? No. Bradford is. Bradford's 342. So. What is Phil Haynes? He can't be much less than that. 330? 325? Okay. 330? Maybe. Maybe. Big old back. But you know this. If you're Bradford, you know you're going to play this year because every, si- every single year, Phil Haynes 322. Every single year, Damian Lewis seems to get nicked up. Some pile falls on him or something. So you know you better be ready to play. You're going you're gonna to get an opportunity to play. And, yeah, I think it will be more of the movement. I don't know what Ray said to you in Blue 88 on Friday, but to me, like, just processing. Remember, we talk a lot about processing, processing the game. If he knows who he's blocking and it's, he's lined up and he gets to – or in his own run game and gets to mow people down, Awesome. But all of a sudden, there's line stunts. All of a sudden, there's a pre-snap shift. All of a sudden, there's a backer in my A-gap. All of a sudden, there's all those things that you got to process. I think that's the learning curve that he still has to climb. Takeaways. It's kind of nice to see. I know he missed one late. Kind of nice to see Jason Myers drill a 57-yarder for Geno, right? Mm-hmm. That, that drive that... Didn't love a third down sack. Those are one thing that we got to keep a little eye on this year. One of the most sacked yep. teams on third down, so we got to get rid of the ball. But Dixon was awesome as a punter. That phase of it, giving those guys a chance to run down and run and hit, and you know that's that's something we ra- punt. We rarely talk about, man. We rarely talk about that third phase of the game. But if you want to close that gap, if you want to win yet another game, if you want to find a game in there that, yeah, you block a punt, you get a punt return touchdown, you make a 57-yard field goal, 
Just... We don't always talk about it. Coaches have a tendency to mention it, and Pete sure did after the game. Um, I also want, I think that I, that I missed by uh, Tyjohn's punt return. It was a huge play. Uh, got another one. Uh, that was a huge play in the game, uh, really field position shift. And then John Hall coming through with his block punt was beautiful. Uh, unfortunately, Bobo couldn't put it in the end zone, but uh, uh, it was good to get get the safety. But it was a huge play. First thing I did ask, ask John, have you ever blocked a punt before, thinking that he hadn't? He, he has blocked some in his past, so that was not new to him. He looked very, very adept at getting that done. It's a great football play, and uh, it was a really big play in the game. Speaking of a team that knows itself a whole lot more than it did at this exact juncture 12 months ago, you remember that Bears preseason game? The other one where they were awful last year? I mean, it was awful. Poor Larry Izzo. I mean, it was just a just a mess in every phase uh, of that Lewis game. Riddick still talks about that because <laughs> yes. of how mean oh, people yeah. were to him about his Seahawks are going to be good take after Oh, that. yes. Lewis oh, Riddick yes. keeps receipts, man. Yes, He'll he be does. ready to go. He keeps all those receipts, and he's got a little something for yeah, anybody just, who's – Just when you're, a deeper, when you're a deeper team, just remember this. When you're a deeper team, yeah. still a young team – that phase of the game should be an advantage when you're rebuilding or retooling or you know starting a lot of rookies and learning whom you are. Maybe that's a work in progress, a little bit like last season. Seemed to kind of come on the end of the year. Larry Izzo's group looks like they're humming right now. Takeaways. By the way, just one other note on that special teams thing. Why is DJ Dallas returning kicks? I just don't get it. It is one of those things that I just don't fully understand. There's no one better, faster at returning kicks. Why didn't they bring back Godwin Equal UK? I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. He was good at it. DJ Dallas isn't very good at it. That's not a shot at DJ. He's basically a fullback. Yeah. It's a BTB you're giving right now. It's a what? It's a BTB. Bad take, Brock. No. <laughs> Is that your nickname? You said earlier there weren't a lot of nicknames. Uh, uh, What's a BTB? That's it's just a bias that you didn't include in your other six biases. Oh, that's a that's a body type body type bias. Yeah, it is. Yeah, man, it is. Yes, it is. It's a body type. Bias. I know that. Yes. I know. It what is you a body type. Your bias. bias. Your bias. The bad take, Brock. As far as I can tell, that's not what I wanted though for my uh, takeaway. The guy I wanted to talk about was Boye Mafe, and really everyone who's been playing that position. It sure seems like they're all doing some different things. I loved seeing a sack from my guy Derek Hall, although I didn't see a ton of him over the course of the game. I didn't see him making a lot of plays over the course of the game. But Boye, every time he's in there, man, you cannot hold this guy down. He's knocking down passes. He's making plays in the run game. He's making plays in the passing. I mean, he did everything. It looked like he had a near perfect game, at least as far as I could tell. I think it was, what, 14 pass rush attempts he had or 14 total. I mean, it wasn't even that huge of a volume, and he made an immense impact. Mike Robb talked about this. Mike Robb was a QB back in the day before he was an awesome fullback, and he knows in his day he ran a lot of nakeds, right? A lot of play-action pass where you make that fake as a QB and you got to come out. And last year, Boye would come flat. You know, last year you could get Boye. And that was, I believe, the opening series of the game, and they tried to run a naked on him, and he takes the perfect angle. And he makes it impossible for Cooper Rush to manipulate him and get the ball over him, and he gets right in the passing lane and he knocks it down. I was like, yep. Yep, that guy is taking a step in processing this game. Second down and four from the 26. Single setback behind Rush. Two tight ends. One is winged on the left side. The turn, play fake. Rush, seven-step drop. Ball gets slapped and away. there he is again. Boye Mafe, that's the second time he's turned the corner and gotten a hand up and knocked down a pass or at least tipped a pass. 
Who's in there with Raves? That's not Wyman, is it? Oh, well, it's Wyman and Schaefer. Uh, he's the uh, former Seinfeld writer who's uh, going to be doing some stuff with them in the booth this year. Oh, is he really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I got to meet him uh, last week. Really interesting dude. <laughs> what? I did not know that. that yeah. I, I, I had seen something of that, or rumbling of that. But oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, oh, he's, he's right up there he's with Raves and Wyman. Oh, huh? he was right in there in the booth. Wow, that is a three-man booth yeah. right there now. I don't know who was funnier, him or Mike B. <laughs> Mike B was. Did you like my looking. Mike B impersonation yes. last hour? Uh, I wouldn't make that. I wouldn't do that publicly. Oh, okay. I just don't feel comfortable imitating Mike B. If it were me, like I just wouldn't do that. If you feel comfortable, sure. fine. He was unbelievable again, wasn't he? Well, I think just, he is so freaking funny, man. I can't stop laughing at him. It is a totally different insight into the game. Yes. You, I'm truly, I mean, you just don't see many defensive linemen do that job. If he did this every week. He would calm down just a little bit. He wouldn't yep. be. He wouldn't feel the need to get out all of the words at once. Yep. And he would bring all of that humor and what I honestly thought was some really interesting quality analysis of what was happening in the game. I, I, I really enjoy him on there. I think he's pretty good. Takeaways. By the way, it was Bill Moss. Okay, I've Thank never you. heard of him. Well, that's on you. I didn't that's, say it wasn't. I just said I never BTM, heard of him. Bad take, Mike. Okay. You're uh, today. Yeah, that's right. Are you all right? Yeah, <laughs> fine. Okay. Just checking. Bad take, Brock over um, there. Well, to answer a question that you emailed us last night, Salk. Um, yes. About you're concerned about the interior D line. I'm concerned. I think you guys were laughing at me last week because I said that much like Salkoy says that you hate risks. I hate rookies missing time mm-hmm. because I feel like we've seen it be a big setback, even if they only miss like a week of practice. And the fact yep. that Cam Young hasn't even played a single preseason game, I felt like they were counting on him in the interior D-line, and that scares me. Well, it yep. scared me that they were counting on a fifth-round rookie on their well, defensive line also. And, but the fact that now he hasn't even played a preseason game, yeah. not good. Fifth or fourth? Whatever. Might be fifth. You might be right. I think he's a fifth-rounder. Oh, I think you're right. I think I am. Maybe. Look yeah, it you up. You know what? Don't mess with me. I'm. It's... And you can go right there, more. Look it up. I'm right on Mike today. Why don't you look it up while I finish off Mora's point and add to that, Mora, as well as the guy. Fifth round pick, 123rd. Thank Fifth you. Fifth rounder, thank you, yes. What did you say, Mora? Fifth rounder, she said. <laughs> no, she did not. <laughs> nice job, Mora. Thank you. Fifth rounder, yes. Anyway. And right there on the other side is Olu, right? Olu, who came out in that first game and, like many said, kind of closing the gap, chasing down Evan Brown. He's got an elbow. He's out. And I think you're right, Mora. It is. You don't have many snaps. I mean, you well, just don't have many practices. Mike Morris out with a shoulder, played the one game. Yeah, you don't get many opportunities with only three preseason games, limited time in pads, limited time with real live action. And if you're a rookie missing out, you really are missing on that opportunity. Takeaways. Okay, speaking of opportunity, Mike Jack had the best offseason of anybody. Thriller was all over the place. He had a tremendous training camp for a couple weeks by all accounts. All eyes on him out there with Devin Witherspoon being out. Pete saying maybe Witherspoon goes through walkthrough this week, still won't play in this Green Bay game. And will Mora add him to your list? I mean, he had like one week of training camp. Mm-hmm. His first few days, had one great week, and and that was that was really it. So Mike Jack has been right there, man, right on center stage. And I love that they gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I wish. One of them would have been a pick. I really do. (laughs) You know, for what we talked about with KJ last week. But there was a third down back shoulder. There was a third down go. There was a third down slant. There was a 
Take a fourth down comeback. And those were all situations where you're on that island, man. One-on-one island. Man-to-man island. Pressure is coming. And unfortunately, he did not win any of those at-bats. Now, he didn't give up a big play. He didn't give up the touchdown. He gave up the back shoulder P.I. That was a chunky play. But Pete would tell you, man, it's, it's a hard spot to be on, man. It's a lonely island out there in man-to-man coverage. And I know he was frustrated. He couldn't get a knockdown. He couldn't make one of those plays. Couldn't get the team off the field. But it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of the Mike Jackson showcase on Saturday night. It was, and I guess you would say, I mean, would you say he failed the test? I mean, it's Dallas's third receiver. That wasn't C.D. Lamb either, right? I mean, that... Yes, that's a, that's a young rookie receiver too. You'd like to just see him knock one of those down. You're not gonna, you're not gonna knock every one of them down. You, 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 you blitz, you play man. That's that's a tough place to play. But you would have loved to have seen at least one of those situations to get off the field and not give up that 17 play drive. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And unfortunately for him, Trey Brown comes up with a pick late in the game. Witherspoon is getting closer to returning. I, I, I don't know what all of this ends up looking like, but it was. It was not the performance, I'm sure. No, it was for the fuel for him. I'll tell you that. He's going to be fueled all week long. As I said, Devin's likely just going to do some walkthroughs, and they're going to continue to baby him along. So he will probably start and play a ton, as will Trey in Green Bay Saturday morning. But, yeah, more more fuel, I think, than anything for Mike Jack. Takeaways. All right, a couple of guys that we have not talked. What would you say? Sorry, before we get to the next one, Matt in Oregon said... I thought B2B was salt before Eastside weight loss. Body too breasty? Yeah. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> thanks, Matt in Oregon. You can take the rest of the morning off if you need to. Go find something else to do here for a little while. Uh, I will talk about two guys that we've barely mentioned, Brock. One, Tyreek Smith. The other is Levi Bell. Let me start with Tyreek Smith. He was a fifth rounder, I believe, last year. Maybe he was a sixth rounder, but he was a late round pick oh, a year boy. ago. Ended up hurting You're both, on the fifth. Hurt both of his hips. Didn't he hurt both hips? Yes. Which is not easy to do. He managed to injure both of his hips. And so we all kind of forgot about him. Can't forget about him when he comes up with a sack and plays pretty darn well. Is he a defensive end? Is he a linebacker? Like, what does he look like in this scheme, Brock? Let's not talk about him, okay? Let's just get him through. Let's not talk about him. We're not supposed to mention him. No, yeah, let's not talk about him. Okay. He was all right. He was all right. He looked pretty good. (laughs) It's okay. He's, 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 I'll tell you what, you know what I will say about him? Because he sort of, we never really saw him last year. Yeah. He looks the part. He does. He's another one of those. He looks the part. Off the bus guys. Put him there with Derek and with Boye and with Daryl. And he comes off that bus and he's not. He looks the part. And on the other side, Levi does not. Levi Bell does not look the part. Let me be clear. He does not look the part. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing not to like about how he played. And then I love the story from Mike Bennett about how he asked the coaches what else he could do. What else can I do to try to make this team? I'm doing everything I can. Hey, you want to play a little fullback? Yes. Did you see anything about him playing fullback that showed you he wasn't as good? Bro, he made a tremendous block. A heck of a block. He allowed the running back to cut right off of him inside. He didn't just lose his mind out there. Had a spatial awareness. 5'10", 265. Just a powerhouse. (laughs) Baltimore. Baltimore has a guy kind of like Baltimore's got like a 280 pound dude like him that plays fullback. That's just an absolute hammer. He's kind of a tweener. Mm -hmm. I think he too may be a D line rotational guy, like the fifth or sixth D lineman. We've seen that before, right? With Tukuafu and some other folks who've kind of played both roles. Good pull. That's uh, Tuala 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 Tuala
Good pull on that. Tukafu. Uh, uh, Do you know where Levi went to college? Uh, Levi went to uh, Bell State, I think. Uh-huh, close. He went to Texas State. UT San Antonio last year was good for the Roadrunners. UT San Marcos. That's not a real place. <laughs> You've clearly made that up. Next. <laughs> Takeaways. San Marcos. That's made up. I think they played North Dallas 40. <laughs> That's an old reference. Uh, I think they beat them. Uh, one thing on a little tell the truth Monday that it will be some film. I'm, I'm sure probably discussed your first two runs, one yard sharp and Charbonnet had to, I think, break like three tackles to get that one yard on the first two runs. Dallas first two runs, 14 yards. Didn't love that. Right. I mean, just ones on ones, Dallas, a big physical line. They're going to pound the football and was kind of, and you had your ones in, right? Your, your guy, Dre was in there. Jaron was in there. Bobby wasn't, which makes a significant difference. Jaron played think. pretty well. He did. He did. How about he? Forgot about Jaron. How about he and, and Mike Rob in the steam room? Kind of like that story. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, good to hear. <laughs> yeah, he looked. He looked good. Explosive. Powerful. Good. Going to be in that rotation. What is a Sam Marcos nickname? I, I now I'm just totally flummoxed. I don't know. Apologize. Tukafu, uh, Tuwathawafo. You know he may stay. Oh. That's my favorite Clayton ism ever. When I think of Clayton and some of his challenges in pronouncing names, that's the one that I think of above all others. And there were a lot more. You got to you got to hear all of them. That one's my favorite. I, I, well, I mean, the best part about him was that he would just power through, oh, whether sure. he had it or not. Sure, why not? Tukafu, uh, Tuwathawafo, tu- you know, he may stay. Tuwathawafo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All right, that is takeaways for the day. Thank you. Uh, it was oh. a fun game on Saturday Tukafu, night. Yes, uh, Tukafu. Tuwa, <laughs> you know, he may Tuwa stay. <laughs> uh, Levi would have been easier for him. You, you could have handed yeah. Levi Bell? I think so. Yeah. I think John would have liked to Levi Brown, though. I think John would have liked this team, man. He'd have been eyes like a lot of these national guys have been on this team. And obviously, John was our local guy, but he was a national guy for so long, a Hall of Famer. I think John would have been in line with Lewis. And Bert and Steve Smith Sr. and many others going, man, I kind of I kind of like what Pete is cooking. I kind of like right it now. too, man. They are running, hitting, playing hard, and they're pretty fast and pretty physical. It's a good sign. Who's that, the Mariners? Uh, oh, well, they're a what, bunch what of those things also. They're Speaking running, of the Mariners, hitting. Brock, how a quote from Pulp Fiction per, per, perfectly, <laughs> perfectly, <laughs> Tuala Tuala How a quote from Pulp Fiction. That's what you get. That is what you get. Get get his name out your mouth. Perfectly (laughs) describes how I'm feeling this morning. It's next.